Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds. KGRA Radio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Codgelillo, and today our guest is Ryan Stanley. He is a a life coach, and we're also going to talk about some quantum physics. Thanks for being on the show. Gary, really my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. was looking forward to it all day long. Awesome. So um, what is this life coach thing all about? You know, it's funny because you, you touched on quantum physics, but life, life coaching is really helping. Listen, we, we, we all have, life is an interesting journey, I think, for all of us. And when you look at people in sports who want to be the best athletes possible, you look at people in musicians who often want to be, you know, the best musicians possible, they will hire some sort of a coach, a vocal court coach. Uh, and obviously in sports, there's sports coaches. Um, and there's all sorts of, there's a health coach. Um, you know, there's all sorts of different coaches when you look at the athletic standpoint. And a life coach is somebody who connects with individuals and helps them recognize that um, they have fears, they have blocks, they have limiting beliefs, they have things based on their life experience that are keeping them from being the best version of themselves. And so, you know, I don't come in and say, hey, I've had a perfect life. And if you do everything I've done, you're going to have a perfect life. Uh, It's more so helping the clients recognize that they have the answers within themselves they're just, again, blocked by those fears and by those limiting beliefs and by the, the different things that, that have made up who they are today. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're not necessarily serving who they'd prefer to be. Right. And so as a coach, I come in and I ask them questions that, that they wouldn't think to ask themselves based on those past experiences, based on those blocks. You know, they're not, even, they're not even interested in going there because they are who they are. Um, and so as a coach, I hold up their agenda. I know who they want to be because they've shared that with me. I help them get clarity on who they prefer to be. In, in all areas of their life. And then I help them, I ask them questions that are going to help them get there. And I hold them accountable for taking action towards it. And I help them look at life in the present and help them decide what the best version of themselves looks and feels like. Hmm. So, and do you right. charge people for this service? Yeah, of course. See, here's my issue with, with life coaching. I'm ready. You know, I, I go to work. My boss tells me what to do. I come home. My wife tells me what to do. Sure. Why do I want somebody else to tell me what to do? Yeah, it's a great point. That's exactly what life coaching is not. And it's not telling you what to do. It's really just helping you decide what to do based on who you want to be. So you're, you're, you don't want someone to tell you what to do. You want to decide what to do. You want to surround yourself with people who empower you to make the best decisions for yourself. So you're right. You don't, you don't want somebody to, to, to tell you what to do. Some people do. <laughs> but in hiring a coach, that's not necessarily the, the reason someone will hire a coach. But, but don't you think life just sort of naturally puts people where they're supposed to be rather than having to um, use a whole bunch of effort and willpower and visualization and affirmations? It just seems like so much energy when all you have to really do it sit back and let it ride. Well, I think if that's the life that you want to live, you are in a sense, it doesn't necessarily have to be affirmations and the, and the positive thoughts and all that. But if, if that's the life that you want, the, the letting it ride, then you are in a sense creating that. You're, you're, you're saying that's all I want to do. But many people don't sit back and just let it ride. And they, they are stuck in a job they don't like and they, or they are stuck in a relationship that they don't like or they are living in a town or an area that they don't like or you know, not really moving forward. They're not sitting back and letting it ride. They're, they're unhappy and they're stressed and they feel like life is not what they want it to be. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, so, so first of all, I'll dial it back. In my opinion, I think life is more than just sitting back and letting it ride. I think that there's oxygen, there's gravity, there's sunlight, and it is out there every single day so that we can exist. And therefore, it's a pretty powerful gift. And so there's an aspect of sitting back and letting it ride where you're able to enjoy the, 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 the gift of life. But in my opinion, there's also an opportunity to do more with it, to see the world or to empower others to be the best versions of themselves or to enjoy each moment of life for the, for the sake of the gift. And so letting it ride can be one thing, but to intentionally live, I think, is something altogether different. Okay. And um, why would somebody want to do that? Well, why would somebody want to do which, which in particular? Live intentionally? Yeah. 
Well, because they're not satisfied with where they, where they are now. Or they recognize that they, they have more potential and they're just not reaching it because they have blocks and they have different things that have kept them in a rut. So I, I live intentionally so that I can have exactly the life that I want to. So that I can you, wake up every day and, and feel the freedom of life and decide who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the, uh, first, the Four Noble Truths of the Buddha? I'm not. Well, the first noble truth is life is suffering. And the second noble truth is, well, actually the third noble truth, I believe it is, is the suffering is caused by desire. Sure. So what making people chase after something be making them create more suffering for themselves and getting themselves stuck in a karmatic cycle for possibly several lifetimes? I, I would say no, and here's the same. Well, so it's a difference. There's a difference between chasing after something and creating something, and that is the major difference. Okay, because what's the you, difference? Well, the, the difference is you're chasing after it. It's, it's out there, and it's happening. Uh, it's almost like life is happening to you, and you, you have to kind of push against it. You have to cope in order to get what you want and chase after it. When you're creating, you, you know you're, you're taking the power from within, and you're choosing your thoughts mm-hmm. that are, you know, are manifesting what the, the life that you want to live. And so to be chasing after, it almost seems like it's, it's coming from a place of lack. But when you create, you're coming from a place of abundance and the opposite of lack. And you're able to intentionally create the life that you want. And then through quantum physics, right, through the understanding of wave turning into, you know, particle and, and matter and everything, that's when things start to, you're not chasing them. They're coming to you. And so the, the major difference there is, is chasing is, is going after. Uh, mm-hmm. Creating is having things come to you. So you're trying to create some type of magnetism to draw the things you desire. Correct. And it's not even, yeah, it's not even trying. It is. It is. I mean, everything, all of our thoughts are things. All of our thoughts carry a wavelength. All of our thoughts actually are creating something. And more often than not, it's based on the fact that we are consistently, a majority of us as humans spend a lot of time looking at our past and every aspect of our past. And so therefore, our, our brain becomes a record of the past. And so from the quantum level, when we sit there and we're thinking about the past all the time, we're seeing more of the same things. We're seeing more of the same relationships, more of the same behaviors, more of the same possible even opportunities. But when we instead use our, our thoughts to, instead of a, a record of the past, create a map to the future, and we, we spend more time deciding who we, we prefer to be and the life that we want to create and creating gratitude and elevated emotions and compassion and love for those outcomes ahead of time, we are then, you know, shifting our, our thought process to bring more of what we want to be. We are creating and absolutely drawing it to us for like a, almost like a magnet, yeah, as opposed to trying to have to go out and find it. Yeah, it just, it reminds me of, um, who's that guy? That, it's kind of Mesmer, you know, the, the guy who created Mesmerism. Oh, yeah? He, I don't and, know him either. And he's all about attraction, attracting things. Um, rather than chasing them. Yeah, it's a whole different way to live. And, um, yeah. Um, because, because to chase is to struggle, right? To, to, to exert so much effort. It's like, oh my gosh, it's not there and I have to keep working to get it. As opposed to if you know that it's already coming and your job is just to be the best version of yourself in the meantime, obviously you're going to take action. You're going to work towards it, but you're not stressfully working towards it because you know it's already coming. You just know who you're, 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 what your role is to be in the now. So it also reminds me, I don't know if you're familiar with the occult, but a lot of what happens with like um, ceremonial magic, sigil magic, stuff like that, is also very similar to um, trying to attract desirable situations into your life. Sure. So yeah. would, would you consider what you teach people uh, in occult practice? I would not. Um, I think in those spaces, it, it really, it, listen, I mean, everybody has their own unique journey. And so the, the meaning that you attach to different things um, based on occult education, right? That you know, you know where these different traditions come from um, or religion or aspect of the occult religion or those type of things. Like there's going to be based on other people's experience and, and knowledge that you may have gotten. So uh, for me, I wouldn't call it an occult as much as it's really just more about from, from a, it's more of a, the scientist right? or, you know, the science yeah. of quantum mechanics, the science. Well, that's, of, but that's also what the occult is, you know, it's just, they didn't have a name for 
they didn't call it quantum, they call it ether or the yeah. astral fluid or whatever. Sure. But, but they, but ancient, you know, it goes all the way back to ancient civilizations. They knew how to utilize the quantum field. Totally. Um, and, and, and a lot of that, I mean, really, so a lot of the, the work that I've done specifically in this area has been based, I mean, obviously there's some old practices of people like Napoleon Hill, um, but more recently, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza speaks a lot about the stuff that I've already kind of touched on. And so his thing that he talks often about is demystifying the mystic, right? So there are aspects of thousands of years of these old, older traditions that have come from ancient people um, that are, to your point, are absolutely utilizing a lot of these same practices. And now, but just instead of the occult version of it, it's more looking at like what is literally and physically happening while I'm creating these thoughts or creating this level of energy or creating this, this type of emotion, gratitude, etc. So, you know, I, I'd have to, so, so from my experience, just to really answer your question, I don't consider it an occult at all. Um, I'm sure that there could be some similarities, but there's probably similarities in, in a lot of other areas of, of presentation as well in creation. Oh, you know, I mean, occult really is our earliest form of science. Um, I mean, the one, like, like simple things like writing and reading came from the occult. Math came from the occult. And all those things later on became, you know, sciences, astrology, astronomy. So, so you know, it's just we, 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 we turned those things into science. Alchemy became chemistry. Right. Um, so, so, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that is science was previously considered coal. And that's why I, I use that term because the practices are the same. Yeah. Well, and just now, as you're talking, I just kind of looked up the definition of occult, and it's supernatural, mystical, or magical beliefs, practices, or phenomena. So when you come to the supernatural space, you know, certain, there's aspects of what I, what I talk about and, and practice myself, um, definitely supernatural, uh, definitely aspects of the mystical. When we go into, like, the, you know, the third eye and the deeper mind, um, and certainly I believe that there's a magic that, that life is. Life, life is certainly a magical belief, right? It, it, the fact that it is, that we are just consciousness showing up in form, <laughs> right? Walking around trying to figure this whole thing out uh, is, is certainly a, a real thing from my experience. So there's definitely, I mean, I, I absolutely can see your point. I, I normally, I haven't used that, that description in the past myself. Though. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I guess I'm kind of old. You know, when I first became interested in this kind of stuff, you know, my, my first interest was definitely sort of like in the occult. And yeah. that's where I learned, you know, about this idea of, of you know, using thought and, um, you know, that, you know, astral projection kind of stuff to create something in a physical world. Um, yeah. And, you know, like that now is sort of backed up by science and we call it, we use different terminology, but it, I mean, even shamanic practices are sort of similar to, you know, what people should be capable of doing with, the, you know, the quantum field. Yeah, absolutely. And it is just about understanding and deciding what are my thoughts every day, right? I, I think, and maybe, and this is just in my, and as I'm thinking out loud, by the way, um, when you talk about the occult or even shamanic, these different areas, there, and a, a so those are mostly ritualistic, right? In some capacity, right? When you talk, this is me being, so feel free to correct me, I guess is my point. But in those situations where they're having rituals where they're creating magic and they're using these different things, like it, for me, it feels like that's like a, a time to do it, right? As opposed to, for my opinion, at any point during any given day, at any given point in life, when you're just moving around it, as long as you're conscious at some point, you can do the same thing. You can, and we are doing it some, you know, we, we are creating thoughts always. A lot of the time it's through habit, right? Of just the habits we're used to creating. Um, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. But if we can start really being very aware of that and intentionally focusing our thoughts on exactly what we want to feel and who we want to be and how, what we want our look, life to look like, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a, you know, in a, in a, a like I said, a, um, a specific setting where you're setting up a, uh, present, you know what I'm talking. I'm sorry, I lost the word that I used earlier. Um, yeah, where you're 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 conjuring, or you're 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 putting you're doing like specific steps to do the whole thing. As much as it really is just about being present in the moment, 
uh, creating thoughts in the moment, not based on the, on the predictable past, um, but more on the future. Well, <clears throat> I would say maybe I'm wrong, but could it be all summed up with one word, intention? Yeah. So no, it's I, all I agree. Just, just set your attention towards something specific? Yeah, absolutely. And I think they'll also, from my experience, and, and this is where I don't know what's typically referred to in the occult, um, like how much joy and love and, and gratitude is, is, is put into those areas of empowerment of others and, and love of others and the fact that we are all one, right? Unity and those types of things. I think that also for me, at least in my experience, has been a, a big part of, of this journey. So not only do I want to be the best version of myself, not only do I want to um, create the life that I deserve and I desire, but I also want to be the light that I want to see in the world so that others can do the same and recognize yeah. that we are all one. And then I think if we get away from the competitive nature of I need to be the best so that I'm better than you and just shift to, I want to be the best so that I can be the best and, and really enjoy this experience called life from the best possible you know, way and help others to do the same. Um, if everybody's empowering others and we go less from survival of the fittest to survival of everybody who is interested in, in serving you know, and, and creating, um, I think it can become a, a different world altogether. Right. There is also a practice in the occult called, I think it's called um, thurgery. And it's called, it's, it's considered high magic. And it's all about drawing down energy to help heal and help the world extend. And it has nothing to do with self-gain. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing. Once we realize that we're all one anyway, everything is self-gain. <laughs> I mean, if you can help, I mean, as long as you're helping others, you're helping yourself. Um, you know, if we're helping others feel and be happy and healthy and um, self-aware. I mean, from my opinion, in my experience, it brings happiness and health and self-awareness into our own life as well. And just the whole form of consciousness as we are here as you know, humans on earth. Right. Um, it would be a pretty powerful place to be. So, you know, I think, do you think like, like maybe like all human beings deep down inside themselves know that to be true? You know what? That's a great question. And I hope that's the case. Um, I, I don't know the answer. I mean, when I, some of the biggest challenges is I kind of step into this mission of being the light that I want to see in the world and, and empowering others to want to do the same is, you know, you, you see people that have extremely different circumstances and live like in a, in a very extremely poor countries and have just been raised in um, angry places or whatever. And you just see, you know, I don't know, who um, end up in, spend many of their years in prison and, and I'm making up just a, a random scenario um, and are filled with anger and, and have had terrible things happen to them. Like, I, I don't know that they all know that deep down inside. I believe it's the truth deep down inside. And sometimes we have different levels of awakening that, that help us become aware of that. But I, to answer your question, whether they know it, whether they're conscious of it deep down inside or unconscious of it deep down inside is probably two different ways to look at the question that you asked. So unconsciously, yes, I think probably all, we are all aware of it in some, some case, in some form, but um, consciously, I'm not sure everybody's there yet. What is it you think that, that, that trips most people up? Fear. Mostly fear of what other people think. Hmm. In some capacity, people make most decisions based on emotion and they make most of their decisions based on uh, what someone else somewhere else thinks. Wouldn't people you say are, that fear is all irrational? I mean, considering that life is a temporary state, in fact, it's probably not even real. It's just create, created by consciousness. That, that, that fear is just kind of useless. Yeah, I would say absolutely. Unless you are physically in danger right? In the, in the moment, fear is absolutely um, does not necessarily serve us. And it's, it's a liar most of the time. So I, I, I agree. I, I think that fear is um, something typically it keeps people small. It keeps people stressed. It keeps people upset. It keeps people unhappy because they're, they're afraid of not being good enough. They're afraid of not being successful enough. They're, they're afraid of not being, um, not looking good. They're afraid of what other people think, all these different areas. And that's what bring up fear, fear of being late for something. They're afraid of the, there's all different types of fear that, that keep people out of the present and keep them away from being the best versions of themselves. So yeah, absolutely. 
uh, what do you think the best remedy for fear is? I think A, to recognize uh, that it is a liar and to ask yourself questions when you recognize fear is to say, how true is that? Right? It's a, a pretty basic and easy conversation. So a person actually has to question what they're thinking. Yeah, of course. So self-awareness would be the answer, I guess. Hmm. So, so a person just can't walk around and just believe everything that pops into their head. No, no not at all. In fact, that's, that's where you become self-aware to begin with. Ask yourself, how true is that? And, and, you know, where are they, because when, a lot of the time, it's really, it's the difference between judgment and curiosity, right? If we're judging something as good or bad, uh, as opposed to being curious as to how good or how bad or how, or what is it really, or why is it that way, whether it's good, not even putting it good or bad, not even putting a label on it, but just why is it the way that it is? And so when we start getting more curious, we start opening up everything to possibility. And when things pop into our mind, like fears or limiting beliefs or things that hold us back, uh, they are keeping us exactly where we are. And sometimes that's not, you know, our highest potential. So to always ask ourselves, yeah, how true is that? What's a different way for me to look at that? Um, I think it's huge. It's interesting because I don't know how many people actually do that. I think a lot of people just believe what they think and keep on chugging along. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's probably part of the reason why we have a lot of the challenges that we have. Right. As, as a society, people are judging others because they believe what they think. So basically, you know, everybody is exactly who they should be for every single second of life they've lived up until this moment. Right. And so yeah. had I been born to your parents on the day that you were born and lived every single second of your life and had the great experiences and the not great experiences and the, the thoughts that were um, came after those great or not great experiences that led you to all the decisions that you made, I would literally be exactly who you are and have all the exact same thoughts that you have. Right. Right. Um, and vice versa. So the challenge is when, when everybody thinks the way they think, that they're, they're, they're thinking the way they think, as to your point, based on a very limited perspective. And so, and they're judging everybody else in the world based on their life, or based on the life that, that you know, the, the observer is, 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 has, has lived. And so instead, when we start getting genuinely curious, we're not judging it based on our life, but just curious as to what it is and how it is and how it got to be there, or more open to conversations that maybe what I'm thinking isn't wrong or prove me wrong. Like I'd love to learn why, right? Being curious, how could what I think be wrong as opposed to just more people are interested in being right than they are being happy. And I think if more people were more curious as to just how can I be happy, uh, then, uh, you know, there'd be less arguments and people would be more present and people would listen more. Well, how about like, I mean, it sounds, I mean, I mean, obviously the approach is, is you know, it's obvious and, you can't argue that, you know, that's the way to, to do it. However, you know, we're programmed from the very beginning when we come into this world, our parents program us to, to listen to them, but not question them. We go to school, they tell us to listen to them, not question them. Right. The police, we're told to listen to them, but not question them. We go to church. The church says, definitely listen to us and do not question us. Yeah. So, all those things are counterproductive to so human the, progress. I, I agree 100%. I think they were, were built in a, a time of less information. I think that they are not serving us. And I think in all of those areas, more curiosity and more empathy in particular and more understanding can, could come into play. I think we're at a space now where what's different in all those things is, again, let's even go back 30 years. It's not, we don't have to go back hundreds of years, but – before the, you know, the invention of the, the smartphone and the internet and everything, the average person would grow up in a town and they would either you know, spend a lot of their time living with, with their friends and their family in, in a certain type of area, a certain type of tribe, so to speak. And they would learn their parents' religion and either accept it as their own or rebel against it and find something completely different. But they didn't necessarily have the, the access to the information of everything that is out there today. Whereas now as a 16 year old is forced to go to, to church every Sunday with their parents or, you know, has a policeman in town who's kind of a dick, uh, you know, they, they can go onto the internet in a single day and find out that there's other things out there that, that more align with who they are. And they can start asking questions and be more curious as to what is this the best way to be? What are my options? And so I agree. I think schools should be spending more time teaching you about personal growth and, and self-awareness and the, 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 the power of the present moment 
um, and mindfulness than they, they spend on a lot of the other things that, that don't want service for the rest of our lives. All right. Maybe, maybe it's more important to ask the right questions than regurgitating the answers that they tell you to regurgitate. Totally. Yeah. Well, I'm studying information that has no ramifications on my life. Where at some point, it, like, so history is a big part of that. And I say that in a great way. History is important to know. I, I think there's a lot of powerful lessons in, in life. But I think when you get to a point where you, you can need those lessons or are curious about how they stood out or will, will have something to do with your life, you'll find it, right? You know what I mean? You'll find it on YouTube. You'll find it on, just in general on the internet. As opposed to, I mean, if the amount of time that was spent on, and I'm making this up totally, like, you know, the Spanish War. Uh, if, if that amount of time in high school that's required for every student in America, and I'm going to make that up, I don't know the details on that, but whatever things like that are required for others to learn, if that same amount of time was spent on ways to be self-aware and to understand levels of empathy and to be more in charge of your thoughts and to recognize um, and, and dissipate uh, stress and overwhelm, I think just in general, the world would be a better place. You know, the, the, really what it is is that, the, the, and I, again, I just say the media as a brush, right? There's a lot of, there's good media. There's, well, anyway, there's different perspectives. And I'll just say a lot of the time and, and politics, I think media and politics are saying, you need someone else to help you. You need someone else to help you. There's someone else out there that's going to save you. Let us, let us save you. Let us save you. As opposed to, I think the good guys out there are really saying, no, you don't need anybody. You have everything you, ha- you need from within. Focus on being the best version of yourself always. Ask yourself powerful questions. Show up to serve others as often as possible. Be present. Understand the power of thought that comes from within. Utilize it every single day. and You'll create the life that you want and you won't need anybody else to help you because you will manifest the people that will serve your, your purpose and serve your gift and you'll, you'll manifest the tools and the paths and the conversations and the education that you need. It's not something that happens in a day, a week, a month. But if you're, if you're focused and you build a practice of choosing who you want to be every moment and creating gratitude for that outcome, you know, that, that's when you change the world. That's when life unfolds before you exactly the way that you want it to. How, about, how do you feel about like corporate exploitation? I mean, almost everybody in the United States now, we, we suffer from consumerism, you know, through advertising and media yeah. and, and through work. Because most of us work through these giant corporations that also ex- we work for them and then they exploit from us. Yeah. Um, you know, it's basically like the company store type of thing, you know? No, um, I agree. And they're not and, there. And and which really has created a culture of slavery. I mean, essentially, a lot of people were just slaves, you know? To, the, to their life, yeah, to the to their phones, to the to the corporations, absolutely. I and mean, well, if you just so I you know I, I don't really watch any television to be honest with you. I mean, I do occasionally. Um, I choose actually some shows on Gaia. I really like stuff by Dr. Joe. I like Greg Braden. I like stuff that I feel is going to inform me or educate my life. Uh, but I don't necessarily watch most television. And anytime there's any type of a commercial on, I either mute it or just fast forward through it. If I can't fast forward through it, I mute it. So and I say that in a sense to to your point, like we are people are we are so bombarded with marketing and other people's messages and other people's agendas all day long. It's one of the most important things you can do. Not only be aware of what your own thoughts are, but be aware of what other thoughts are being put into you, put in front of you intentionally over and over and over again, and then start questioning how they are or not serving you. Yeah. Yeah. And the more we can kind of step into ourselves and be more present, choose music to listen to, choose things that, that empower you again to create joy and to love life as a thing, as an experience as opposed to just wanting to buy something because somebody told you it looks good over and over again or that everybody else has it. I mean, I have a six-year-old who will repeat words verbatim from commercials after they come on. And then he tells me why he wants to get it. It's like, you know, there's, there are people out there in these corporations whose job is to hypnotize the public to purchase their stuff. That is literally what they're, they're paid to do, and that's all they care about. So to your point, they don't really – they're not there to make us better people. They're there to sell their product and make more money so they can – Again, build more products to sell to us. So there is an op- There is definitely a, a bit of a, um, a mentality of being a slave to the co- consumer culture, and there's an opportunity to change it. So, I, and by the way, I'm by no means. Uh, you know, there's tons of opportunity for growth for me. Like I, I certainly, um, you know, I'm I'm not off the grid by any means, right? <laughs> 
but I feel like uh, I really do my best to really choose my own thoughts as often as possible and specifically choose ones that will serve my, myself and my family and, and create, create a better life for me so I can do the same for others. How does a person like choose to th- like, I think like, I don't know if I can choose what I think, but I can choose which thoughts I want to hold on to and which ones I want to let go of. Um, so here's the, th- here's my opinion on that. Yes, you're correct. You can. And that is the first step in choosing your thoughts because you are, you've built up a habit of the thoughts that you have. Again, we have, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day um, and they are typically very similar to the ones we had yesterday. And the ones we had yesterday, 67,000, 60 to 70,000 of them are very similar to the ones we had the day before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Over tens of, over decades now, right? Has made yeah. a lot of who we are. And so changing, and again, I, a lot of the, and this, the stuff that I'm talking about right now, this is specifically almost, I, I, don't, I don't want to come across as a hack, but almost verbatim from Dr. Joe. He has a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself that I would definitely uh, recommend to any of your listeners out there. He has a couple different books. One of them is four. One is called You Are the Placebo. Um, actually, there's one that I'm missing, but one is called You Are the Placebo. There's a second one called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, and then another one called um, Becoming Supernatural. You also, you also have a book as well, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, you gotta make sure you plug your own book too. Yeah, we will. We will touch. Yeah, we'll touch on that in a second. And there's actually there's aspects of that, right? That that, that come into play as well. So, and thank you by the way for that that opportunity. Definitely. Of course. Um, but to your point, it's like you know. So we feel like we can't choose new thoughts because our our brains are physical things. They have a physical habit of creating physical chemicals that are used to that are are based on the thoughts that we've been having. And so when you decide to change your thoughts and you decide to start focusing in a completely different direction, your physical body says like, hey, wait a second, where are those chemicals from yesterday in the past 35, 40 years? They're not here and I'm uncomfortable. And then you, they, they suddenly, they automatically create thoughts that will bring them back. And so it's not that you can't create new thoughts. Um, it's just that you're used to, you're, you're so used to creating the ones that you do that come into your brain that it's, it's a different habit. And it's a practice. So the intention can become to, you know, to your point, like it is all about intention. So if your intention is to create new thoughts and new habits that will serve a different path and create almost a new personality or a new outcome, that's how you create the future that you want. Uh, Now, my book is called Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful, a first aid kit for the emotional bumps, scrapes, and bruises of life. And that's exactly what it is, man. It it is a first aid kit. It's, It's nothing too extensive. You could probably read it in about 30 minutes. Um, it's filled with art and it's filled with quotes and it's filled with, basically I wrote it with two purposes in mind. The first one is, so first of all, I'll dial it back and say, I am not an awesome reader. I do not love to read. I, I love listening to good books. There are books out there that will change your life and that will, will make you the best version of yourself. There's awesome, amazing information out there. By no means am I to say to anybody, don't read. <laughs> My brain, however, just does not stay focused and I, I, there's tons of great books out there. I typically am not going to finish them. So as a life coach for the past 10 years, uh, you know, I've been coach, I've been a certified professional coach since 2009. I have been, um, I, I've recognized some basic themes in people's lives of patience in particular, presence and joy that they, they feel like the, those things are outside of them and unable to be acquired. And the truth is, is that you are able to acquire them whenever you want to, if you decide to create them. And so I wanted a book that if I'm having a tough day, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, if I'm feeling anxiety, that I could just pick something up and read it in you know, 20 minutes and feel better and feel, have an understanding of what the truth is and how I can look at this exact same situation from a different perspective. And so the book was written with two points in mind. One, you can read it straight through. There's some very tangible takeaways that you can just practice right away on your own, literally in the moment as you're reading them and you'll feel better by the end. Uh, And then two, whether you've read the book or not, it's also very specifically created. So where you can open it up to any page and find a, um, something that could serve you in the moment. It is a first aid kit. Oh my gosh, I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling unhappy. Let me just open this up and find something. And there'll be something on every page that, that could serve you in that moment. So it's almost allowing the universe to kind of show up for you the way that, that would serve you best. Excellent. Well, I definitely will post also a link in the uh, notes on this podcast okay. also so my listeners can get your book if they're interested. Perfect. Yeah. And I mean, real quick, I'll just share that you can, uh, it's certainly on Amazon, um, five-star unanimous review. 
It's on Barnes and Nobles. You know, you can get it anywhere books are sold, but you can also get it on my website. My website. You do have more than one one review, right? Yes, I got I got (laughs) solid 32, I think at this point. Thirty-one. But yes, Um, and if you read and if you do read it, anybody out there, I would love I'd love any honest reviews. So please feel free to leave other ones. But I would also say you can you can get it from RyanStanley.com. And if you go to ryanstanley.com, there'll be a button that says, be patient, be present, be joyful. If you click on that, uh, you can order it directly from me. It'll come uh, with a signed, signed copy with a note just to you. And then depending on my availability, also come with a complimentary coaching session. So it mm. could be a great way for us to connect as well. So are your autographs worth any money? They are not worth <laughs> any particular money at this time. They are worth uh, just the awesomeness of the love that I put into them. Awesome. Which in itself <laughs> is priceless. Yeah. My, mine's not worth any money either. Not yet. Okay. But, people, but people still ask me to sign my book, though. Yeah. What's your, what's your book? My book is called Enlightenment Guaranteed, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. I love it. I'll have to pick up a copy. Perhaps we yes. can exchange, exchange uh, notes. Yes, it's on Amazon. Cool. Love it. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, so the, the, the start of, of the book, really, there's, there's only four chapters. Actually, there's five. There's a prologue, there's three chapters, and an epilogue. And the prologue talks about um, the fact that we are all creators. And in any given moment, you are creating something. Right now, you and I are creating two men recording an awesome podcast. If you get up in the morning and you decide to put on blue socks, blue pants, blue shirt, blue hat, you are literally creating a man dressed in blue. We create conversation, we create art, we create businesses, we create music. Um, we are always and always creating. I mean, if you put two pieces of bread down, you put peanut butter on one side, jelly on the other, you put them together, you're literally creating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? I know it sounds obvious, but when you're sleeping, you create a person who is sleeping. Now, that being said, so just in a sense by being, we are always creating. So unfortunately, often we create stress and we create anger and we create anxiety, and we create overwhelm, and we create impatience. And it's not to say that those things aren't valid based on our experience, and that that doesn't make sense that we created them in the moment. But there is an opportunity for many of us to take responsibility and recognize that for us to even have those things, they have to come from within. Anger doesn't come from outside, it comes from within. And so when we start to create that and recognize that, that we are creating it, there's an opportunity for us to create something else. And so therefore, it goes into chapter one, uh, be patient. If you're feeling stressed because you're late for something, you're feeling stressed because you haven't reached a certain level of success in your life, you haven't reached it, the, the relationship that you want, typically sometimes the stress, the overwhelm is just impatience of it. It's not coming. It hasn't happened fast enough, especially in today's day and age when everything happens you know, at the click of a button. So when we start to realize at any point, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, you can ask yourself a simple question, am I being patient? And then you might say, well, no, I'm not being patient. Of course, I'm not being patient because I want it to happen now. Cool. That makes sense. But what would it be like just if you were curious and if you wanted to at that point, what does patience feel like? Right? You can ask yourself these questions. How would a patient person behave? If I were to create a patient person, how would I I be behaving right now? And even just by doing that, by taking your thoughts out of this isn't happening soon enough, to how does a patient person behave, you are in a sense creating patience because you're deciding who you want to be in the moment. Patience is by no means just sitting on your hands and doing nothing. Patience is just deciding, you know, patience isn't just waiting, it's deciding who you want to be while you wait. And that can be somebody who's active in their area of expertise. It could be somebody who loves their job. It could be somebody who is present with their family and, and you know, whatever. So patience, if you, if you ask yourself, how can I create patience, you'll start to create more of it. And then once you get that down, you go to chapter two, right? So now I'm not waiting on anything anymore. Um, maybe I'm worried about the past. Maybe I'm worried about something I said two weeks ago. Maybe I'm worried about what someone somewhere else thinks of me right now on the other side of the planet. Maybe I'm worried about someone left a comment on my video uh, that I didn't like and is making me feel uncomfortable. So whatever it is, chapter two is be present. Create someone who is present. And what does that mean, right? So a lot of the time people, you can say um, a great place to start of creating presence is what are my five senses doing right now? What can I see? What can I hear? What can I smell? What can I feel? Can I feel the air of the skin against my face? There's, there's so much opportunity for you to be here now when you start to do that and then create gratitude for the now. Again, going back to our, our, our conversation earlier where it was like, listen, man, gravity, sunlight, oxygen, it's all here just so that you can exist. 
And if it is right now in this moment, who do I want to be? What do I want to do with it? And so and that, so chapter two, create presence. And then, so if you're here now, you're not waiting on anything anymore. You're not worried about the past. You're not worried about someone else. How would you rather be feeling? How about joy? So chapter three is create joy, create a joyful moment. You don't have to be like the super happiest person on the planet, but if you're feeling stressed, you're feeling overwhelmed and you've decided to not do that anymore. You've created a person who is patient. You've created a person who is present, create some joy as well. Pet an animal. Think about somebody who you love unconditionally. You know what I mean? It's like create just a little bit more joy than you had a minute ago. Think about an experience that you had at one point that you really loved. Um, and think about the ability to create it again. The more you start practicing patience and presence, a lot of the time joy will just sneak up in there on its own. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then the epilogue is keep going on any given day, man, on, on your worst day and on your best day. If you use those two words, keep going. The only way for you to get off your, your, the line and the path of your purpose is to not keep going. So you get to decide if you're still on point. It's okay to rest. It's okay to take breaks. It's okay to feel defeated sometimes. doesn't mean that you stop though. The only time you are not moving forward is when you've, you've decided to not move forward. So keep going. And that's the gist of the book. And then the whole second half is just quick, quick blurbs of what I call CPR. If you're having uh -huh. a tough day, you just open up a page and find something that could speak to you. Hmm. Um, how do you deal with like people that are just chronically negative? Yeah. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> in the sense two two different ways. Um, it's a great question because there are so many of them out there. Um, and I say, and, that, and again, they are exactly who they should be based on every single second of life they've lived up until their moment, until this moment. So I don't blame them or judge them for being that way but I don't want to waste my time and my energy being in that space. And from the other side of that is I also believe the more uplifting and intentionally purposeful and kind and loving and grateful about life I am, again, going back to a quantum physics level, those are the people that I surround myself with. And those are the people who are attracted into my life. And those are the conversations that I'm going to manifest. And then I am creating. I am creating people who are, are looking to learn and looking to grow and looking to love and looking to serve others. So the people who are negative, one of two things, either A, just from a manifestation standpoint, because of where I spend most of my time and my thoughts, they're not going to come into my life. But B, in the sense that they do, for any case, um, there's an opportunity for me just to be the light that I want to see in the world around them as often as possible. And they're either A, going to glean something from that and hopefully have a shift that, that could serve them and have them less negative and stressful and overwhelmed and angry. Or B, they're just going to be so turned off by my bright side of life that they're not going to want anything to do with me either. <laughs> right probably and yeah <laughs> turns out to, and that turns out to be the win-win and at the time when they're and i say when and if they're ready to to grow and to change and they start thinking about that and seeking it then they can either you know i've had people come back to me and say ryan you know we had a conversation like 10 years ago you may not even remember but you said one thing that that changed my life for years and at that time i didn't know it. they might have been a negative person at the time as well and they may they might have just only been ready to hear a little bit of it but as time goes by and different other things, now they've heard that little bit of it, they've opened up a little bit of like an air hole, right? Like there's a little bit of air that's now seeking into their life. And so now once they get like kind of where that's coming from, they might be a little more interested in hearing more of it. So to go back to your question, how do I deal with them? A, I don't, but B, in the meantime, I still stay the same version of myself as often as possible. I still live by the same philosophies of being the best version of myself and the light that I want to see in the world at the same time. Mm. Um. What is the most difficult thing to teach one of your clients? Or all your clients? Like what's, the most, what's the biggest obstacle that you run into? Yeah, I, and it's, it's great. That's a great question because it's the same answer as before. It's fear. fear. So I don't teach them fear, but it's, it's awareness of fear and how it's not serving them and how often it shows up for them. You ever have somebody that just can't get past it? Yeah, and judgment of themselves, absolutely. And they're, they're listen, to, to work with a coaching you have to be coachable. You have to want to grow. You have to want, and I certainly worked with people in the past who week after week after week didn't necessarily do what they said they're going to do. And they came up with different excuses. And it's funny because then eventually they're going to say to me, Ryan, like this isn't, <laughs> this isn't working. It's like, yeah, of course it's not working because you're not working. You're not doing the work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have to show up. You can't just show up at our call once a week and say, Ryan, do all the work for me. Like you, most of the, like the most successful clients I've had are the ones who are constantly doing the work in between our calls. And then when we come back, like, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what happened this week. I'm like, well, try me. I bet you I will. 
and they talk about growth. They talk about personal development. They talk about, and by the way, they certainly have bad days too, right? And then I'm able to coach them around it and ask them from a different perspective, well, what's a different way for you to look at that? How true is that? All these, these questions that we talked about. I really dive deep into the ability to be present and are, is that decision based on what someone else somewhere else thinks or said, or is that based on your truth? And a lot of the time, if you've been working with me for X amount of time, we're gonna, we, we've already gotten into that truth. What is your truth? Who are you actually? Because in the grand scheme of things, we are all these you know, magnificent beings. We are all stardust. We are all made of the same things that the entire universe is. The same amount of energy and thought that went into creating the cycles of, of planets going around the sun went into creating me. And for me to just kind of blow that off as I'm just like some meat suit running around doing nothing is really just a, a slap in the face <laughs> to my life, right? And to the gift of my life and to just the experience of, of consciousness and, and life in itself. Um, what was I going to say? I had a question. It just went away. Yeah. Happens to me. <laughs> it's part of getting old, I think. Yeah. Well, it's also just, just having an active mind, Gary. It's, it's a good thing. It's, it's a sign of intelligence, I say. <laughs> But you, we, we were talking about different clients and how some of them yeah. you know, are difficult to work with. Some of them may be stressed or have fears. So your question was like, one, what, what's one of the biggest blocks? And it, uh, I would say it's, it's a combination it's the of fear, fear yeah. and judgment. Oh, I know what my next question was. Addiction. People with addiction has to be really hard. So for, I don't specifically work with people with addiction because I don't have that experience or that lens to really speak to somebody's. I have had clients, actually I do, that's, that's not true 100%. I have actually two clients who are in recovery, but we don't focus a lot. They go to their meetings for that. They have their own background for that, right? So I don't really speak specifically to that. Um, and to really, to your point, yes, it can be hard based on your perspective, Right. And so uh, this is not me belittling anybody's traumatic experience of addiction. I actually, I lost a brother to a heroin overdose. I uh, died about four years ago. Oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. And I have another brother who has overdosed multiple times and then had a tough, my, my, I had a different brother and my mother had to revive him and get him in the hospital. So, I mean, I have an understanding of, of the, the power that it can have over people's lives and how it can have an effect on, on people's lives. Um, but for your, and really just kind of go back to your statement of, like it must be like extra hard. I think everybody's experience is their own. And so it's not going to be any harder than somebody else who was, you know, perhaps abused or, and to get over. Like these are all past traumas or experiences that lie within us that we typically spend so much time thinking of, right. And thinking about and looking at the past and going back that, that it is going to, the more we say it's hard, the harder it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that it's not difficult but if you decide like, hey, there are people that, that recover from addiction every single day all over the world. So it's not that it's, it's not, can't be done. And I, and I say to myself as a human being, I am now going to change all of my habits, which include my thoughts and the conversations and the people that I surround myself with to focus on a life that is not addiction, that is not focused even on my past addiction, but focused on a future that literally has nothing to do with it. You were to focus all your thought and your energy, and I'm going to make it easy, right? And that's my thought every single day. It'll be less difficult for you than it will be for someone else who says, this is hard, this is hard, this is hard. What do you say that most people, I mean, I think everybody's addicted to something. Sure. You know, whether it's consumerism or um, sex or pornography or cigarettes, food, you know, there, there's... Yeah. I, mean, I think everybody has, you know, some type of addiction. Yeah, I, well, so I, 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 thinking out loud, I would say that in some capacity, yes, the great news is, is that you, we get to choose what those are at some point. If we realize that there's one that is not serving us, and I know it's not as simple as this for many people, but start choosing an addiction that does serve you. Choose an addiction of health. Choose an addiction of working out. Choose an addiction of uh, meditation. I, I've recently, just this year, have certainly become addicted to meditation. If I don't, if I don't get my meditation in on a day, like I'm kind of like I look forward to it. I can't wait to do it. So um, our brains, our bodies are really like the most amazing things out there. And so to to utilize them and recognize that we have an opportunity to put an addiction that serves not only our, our physical body but our mental and our spiritual and emotional, and then those around us, 
um, can be a pretty powerful thing to consider. So to your right, we, we, we all do have habits. Yeah. Right? And I think that addictions come from habits. And so what habits are we feeding? But it's always to avoid something, you know, we, we use things outside of ourselves to avoid what's inside. And or to just gain love. In some capacity, when you think about addiction to sex or pornography, right, that's just in some a feeling of dopamine, like wanting to, to feel love and to, to have a good feeling. Drugs, it's the same way. It's like typically it starts off because we just kind of are bored and maybe want to party a little bit and have some fun. But we're typically doing it with other people to start things off, right? And we, we party with other people because we want to feel love from them. We want to join their, their tribe of other people who are maybe mm-hmm. using or partying or whatever. Um, even cigarettes, when you start off, it's like a feeling of connection and curiosity, but it's also like something that makes you feel good. You get that first little cigarette buzz. You get a feeling of being cool maybe, right, as a young person. And so that is feeling loved by others. I think we really make two different two decisions, really, Everything is based on one of two decisions, one to be loved or based on fear, right? We're fear of, of not being loved. So in the grand scheme of things, it really all comes down to love. Knowing that, we can then say, then I go back to my daily intention of, of creating love and creating light and being the light that I want to see in the world. And so this way, not only am I creating it for others, but I'm creating it for myself so I don't need to get it from someplace else. I get it from life itself. Yeah. I just, I know when I quit smoking cigarettes, I was pissed off for like two years. Yeah, right. <laughs> and every time you go out, you see somebody else, you can, ah, I can have one. What if I just had one tonight with these beers? What, you know? Yeah, I've yeah. been there. Yeah, that was a tough one. But you did it, right? With intention and with purpose. And, and, and for you, it was two years. For others, it might be four years. For others, it might be two months, whatever. And everybody's journey is going to be different. Um, yeah. And how long has it been? It's been about 15 years. Maybe okay. more than that since I have, but I still miss that first cigarette in the morning, that first yeah. drag, for like one split second, like all is right in the world. You know, just like, ah. yeah, there it is, sit outside. Um, and so, what what can you replace it with? I mean, you can still. Well, have- I, use, I use meditation. Yeah, and you can still all all is right with the world. You can still get that elsewhere. You can create that anyway. Yeah, it's like a. Um, and we, and we do love it. We, we do love our past. We do love ourselves. It is part of our identity and, and having that. And how long did you smoke for? Oh, God. I don't know. I started like maybe when I was 11 or 12. Yeah. So like 20 years, 30 years, whatever. That, that's yeah. a long time for you to have a habit of thinking about it every day. All is right with the world, right? All these different, that, that space you've been. And so, of course, it's going to take some time for, for you to kind of change that and focus it elsewhere. And it's all about the intention. Which you did, and you, you obviously you, you followed through. Yeah. Um, so, what is your opinion on like the the current state of the United States? Um, that's a great question. I think it's it's a unique time in history. I think we're more divisive than ever. Either that, or we're just we're able to see that we're more divisive than ever through social media and through the constant barrage of twenty four hour news cycle. I think we've gotten to a place where it's always me versus you. I think it's gotten on, on whatever side of the aisle you sit on. I think it's, um, it's not about, it doesn't feel on it from my, so I, I'll, I'm happy to say that I don't think either of our current leading candidates for president are people that I would want running my business, never mind our country. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet you're, we're constantly every four years seems like we're, choo- we're, we're forced to choose the worst of two evils. <laughs> Right? And everybody, and everybody I, agree, says I agree so much. Like having to choose between like Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's joke, really. That's what put us in this space, and now we're in a space where it's the same. Like you know, from my opinion, and, I, and by the way, let me just say that anybody out there who's everybody's got talk, talking points and are probably well, way more informed from a political landscape than I am. Right, so I'm happy to admit that out loud. I don't watch the news. I don't really pay attention to politics as, unless I have to local politics a little bit. Um, so I want to say that up front, but the grand scheme of things, it's like, you know, so I just feel like if those are our only two options, it just doesn't make sense out of the millions and millions of people in the United States of America. Those are the two best people that we could come up with to run this entire country. And as I was saying at the beginning of the call, like the, those are people who are saying, you know, um, there's, there's, I think there's, I think the good guys are people who are saying, 
Come from within. Decide who you want to be. Create love. Create gratitude. Connect with other people. Empower others. And the, the, the bad guys are the politicians on, on every side. And they're saying, no, you need us to, do, to fix this for you. And I promise you, I'm going to fix it the way you want it. And they're typically lying. And they're, they're, they're going to fix it the way they want to because they're getting paid in some capacity. There's other, all sorts of other interests. And so I feel like we're at a point now where if the entire country turned off the news tomorrow, and I know this is ridiculous, but let's just happen. Let's just say that it just happened and started living lives on purpose and wanted to create the best versions of themselves without looking for somebody else to come and save them. Nobody's coming to save you. I say this to myself all the time. Once I first realized that, it's my responsibility to show up every single day and be the person who I want to, to, to be and live the life that I want to live. I, I feel like there's, there's no leaders out there saying that. And so it's sad, I think, the, the state of our country today is that it's always, everybody's, pl- I mean, the, the whole democratic platform is, we got to get rid of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like that is not powerful. That is not empowering people. It is empowering people, but it's empowering people to hate someone. And I was like, Donald does enough <laughs> stuff, on, stuff on his own, right? It's funny, people who are supporters of the right that I, that I know and I spoke with, they always say the same thing. They're like, oh, you know, he's doing it. And I, again, I don't know his policies really to, to speak to them specifically, but I constantly hear the same thing, which is, you know, he's doing a lot of good things. He's made some good headway here and there. If he would just stop talking or just stop speaking. Well, listen, man, the president of the United States is supposed to speak. And, he's, and he, he shouldn't be saying things that everybody says, well, listen, as long as you're not talking, you're doing okay. A leader of a country or of a town or of a family is somebody that should be not only speaking, but speaking empowerment to their, their followers. And the followers should want to be the leader. They should want to be empowered to be the best version of themselves. And so I think we need a leader in this country who's willing to show up on purpose every single day. Not, you know, obviously Donald Trump's thing was to keep America or make America great again. How about just make the human being great again? Help everybody recognize who they can be every single day. So it's not about America and other countries. And it's, it's just about being human. It's about being on planet Earth. I mean, really, you're, you're kind really, of a, you're kind of like me. You're like an anarchist, you know. You just believe that 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 people can be the best that they can, rather than focusing on somebody else trying to make them better. Hundred percent. I, I think that's what we need. I think more people, instead of worrying like, "Hey, the government's going to take care of you," the the government wants to. I, I wish the government would just empower everybody to help themselves as often as possible. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, or getting, you know, I'm certainly more of a libertarian, I think, than anything. And that's typically how I vote every election cycle, especially for the presidency. But um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'm hoping that this is a point where, you know, this is this is going to be the changing point. Like this is a point where, oh my gosh, we, we can't handle it anymore because it's really going to go one of two ways. I think people are starting to wake up around the world. I think people are getting access to more information. And I think that the media is trying to keep everybody scared and unhappy and afraid for their lives and that they need people who are paying the media to mm-hmm. <laughs> give them this information. When you don't, I mean, I think if, I honestly believe if everybody turned off the news for six months in the entire country, we'd be a, a totally different place. Maybe. You know, I mean, I, I think there's the government, there's the media, and then there's you. Yeah. Um, Me specifically? Oh, us. <laughs> us, us. Us in general. Um, but I'm thinking, I, 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 well, what scares me is, if Biden wins and Trump refuses to step down, <laughs> is that, and that then, and then, then there's a war or a coup. Yeah. And that's when it's time to get out. Yeah. And that, the fact that that's even a concept really just shares where, where we've come. Right. Yeah. I never, that, I never thought I would see that type of situation in my lifetime. <laughs> Is that something that he said publicly? I, again, I don't yeah, know. yeah, he says it all the time. He's like, well, he, he, he's setting it up for you. He goes, if I lose this direct election, it's, it's going to be because it's rigged against me. And so, therefore, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So, we got, got that going for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, anybody who's out there, I suggest uh, being curious. So, I, I will I, – I'm – there's a woman named Joe Jorgensen who is running for president under the libertarian uh, candidate. Check her out. Just check out her ideals. There's actually, if anybody else out there is listening as well, there's a website and I wish I had it right now. I'll see if I can send it to you, Gary. Maybe you could put it in the show notes. Yeah. But you can literally go and it doesn't, you know, you don't pick a candidate. You just start answering the questions. Like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? 
how do you feel about this? How do you feel about And if you answer all the questions honestly, it'll tell you who, who like you most align with from, a, from a, um, who you should vote for based on your beliefs. And I think if more people did that, I think, I feel like I wish like that was the way we voted. Like here, listen, this is how I literally feel about all these different things. You fill out the thing and then they automatically, that just chooses. <laughs> See, I almost have like an opposite. Like my, my theory is if everybody just stopped voting, then yeah. nobody would win. We would have no government and we could finally be free. Well, you need some organization at <laughs> some standpoint, maybe on a smaller level. Uh, like, like, uh, well, you know, and I think like our founding founders probably had the right idea of having elected public officials who were not getting paid to be there. Yeah. Running certain things, you know, like, like one guy's in charge of infrastructure, stuff that people actually might need. Yeah. But the rest of it's just, pork and garbage <laughs> well and then the other piece the fact that they don't have term limits like that is the most ridiculous thing i've ever it doesn't make sense so you know again and i point to joe biden in the same way it's like yeah, so this he's guy's been just there been forever in there for like 40 years like he's been promising things for 40 50 years who knows what percentage of them have actually been completed uh, it's just he's just a, a politician who's used to lying and now he's an older gentleman who really doesn't have doesn't seem to have his wits about him all the time <laughs> And again, listen, not to belittle anybody's experience. He's exactly who he should be based on his life. But are these the two best people in our entire country to run it? Wow. I'm not sure. The answer is no. And, if, and, if, and the rest of the world can see that. Um, and I guess it's easy for me to say right here I am, this guy in New Jersey. Just well, that's uh, like the funny thing. Where, where in New Jersey are you at? Uh, I live maybe 45, 50 minutes west of New York City. So I'm out in the country here, Hunterdon County. Oh, Hunterdon, like near like Flemington? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I live in Alabama, but I'm from Princeton. Okay. Yeah, exactly, man. So I'm like uh, 10 minutes north of Flemington. Yeah, I got some friends up there. A lot of friends. And I go down, I go down to the, the alchemist and the barrister down in Princeton often. Well, mm -hmm. not recently, but I used to go down there. Yeah, yeah. Like I lived on that street pretty much. <laughs> Small world, my friend. It is. And it's funny because I do... Doing this podcast, I talk to people from all around the world. Yeah. You know, yesterday I was doing a podcast with somebody from Australia, the day before, somebody in the UK, just New Zealand. So just talking to all kinds, anywhere we speak English. Well, and that's the whole thing. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like we are in this space now where you can connect with people from all over the world. You can get some different insight, you can get some different beliefs. Um, if you if you're curious and you're not judging them as bad, you're just you're just being curious as to what they are, where they come from, and what their experience led them to believe that. I mean, it's it's a pretty curiosity can be the most powerful thing there is because it always puts you in the now and always puts you in a place of wonder, and that's what really life could be about: awe and wonder. You just, I mean, I there's a podcast, not a podcast. Um, I do like audio blogs, which are kind of podcasts, I guess. But I did one about a year or so ago, and it was just like, if you had like flown to another planet. Right for whatever reason, take take all the the science behind it. Or who knows why why you'd end up doing this? Let's just say you ended up landing on this other planet, and it was your first time there, and it was sustainable, and like, but everything was different. Like the trees were a little bit different. Like the animals were definitely different. Like how water ran was different. Like all these different things. You walked around, you'd be amazed by everything. You're like, oh my gosh, did you see that? Oh my gosh, did you see this? Look at this over here, because it's all this new powerful thing that is just there in this weird planet that you can't believe you're there. Well, that's Earth. We've just gotten so, we take it for granted. We've, we've gotten so used to everything that's out there. We don't take time to recognize that it's literally all a miracle. <laughs> and it's all like this stuff that is just this life that is going on. Trees and animals, all, grass, it's all literally alive and it's happening for us. And when you, yeah. when you start to lose, lose awareness of that, um, you know, that, that's when people get unhappy and bored and they're just, they don't realize what a wonderful, what, what, how powerful the now actually is. Yeah. I actually just posted a YouTube video of an interview I did with Dr. Richard, uh, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. And in that interview, he talks a lot about just stopping being an adult, being a child. Yeah. What were you like when you were a child? Yeah. With that, and, and approach the world from that point of view, from a child, because a child has more intelligence than an adult. Well, and the other thing, and that's one thing I always do, just even in that sense, very similar, be who you want to be for your children. Like, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you have kids out there, 
any any lesson that you're trying to lean them uh, teach them are you are you behaving the same way are you following your own advice like I, I think about that all the time I, I know that my children are always listening to me <laughs> whether they know it or whether I know it or not they're, they're always taking in stuff they're always absorbing and so at any point if I'm feeling stressed if I'm feeling overwhelmed I a lot of time I'll in fact even I'll say with my coaching clients we talk about I'll say so you know, if your if your child or if your staff member or something like that, if your child was worked was was having the same situation, what would you tell them? And it's easy for them to go into the oh, I would just say this: don't don't care what other people think or whatever. I was like, great. So now, how can we use that for you? And then I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. And it's a whole different thing. So being that child and and guiding that child, it's, it's a combination. Be the child, be here now, love life, but also guide it. Absolutely. All right, so I'm going to get ready to wrap this up. Um, again, can you just tell my listeners where to uh, find you and Definitely. find your book and, and you know, you know, use you as a coach or whatever? Absolutely. And Gary, by the way, this was an awesome conversation, man. Thank you so much for having me today. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah, it was good having you. I was, yeah. kind, of, I was kind of dreading it because my last life coach person was a disaster. But yeah. <laughs> this was actually ended up to be a lot. Much better. Love it. And yeah. And that, well, and that's the other thing real quick. Before we wrap up, I will say for those of you looking for coaches, man, there's a lot of coaches out there. I'd always recommend somebody who's certified um, and recognize somebody who designs with you. There's some people just say, oh, I've had a good life. I'll be a coach. And they are definitely typically not your best coaches. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that this wasn't a disaster. I, th- I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was great. So yeah, ryanstanley.com. That's R-Y-A-N-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y.com. And you can get, you can go see my First of all, this episode will be on there as well. So you can go any place where I, there's a whole spot for podcast guesting. So you can hear a bunch of my other interviews. Uh, you can check out my audio blog, which has got about 30 or 40. They're like podcasts, but they're about five or seven minutes long. Uh, you can buy my book on the website. Um, and just you can also contact me there if, you, if you're interested in coaching or just curious as to how coaching process works. Feel free to hit me up. Let me know that you, you found me here. Um, and then obviously the book is called Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful. A first aid kit for the emotional bumps, scrapes, and bruises of life. And you can find it on that website, but you can also find it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Thank you. And I'll post all those links in the notes when I get this episode up. I have to warn you, I got about 10 episodes ahead of you. No worries. <laughs> so I, I, it might yeah. be a few weeks. I've recorded things, yeah, in months past that I haven't been up yet as well. So I'm, I'm used to the game. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for being on. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. Which I would be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com. And Patreon is patreon.com forward slash everythingimaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening, and see you next week. You know, yes. You can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.